It's the only song with triple I could find in our system, sorry. Casey Frank joins me. It's been too long as we talk some NBA. Greetings, mate. Hey, thanks for having me. How's fatherhood? It's, uh, it's good. It's really well. I get tons of sleep, and the missus is really appreciative of all my efforts. So, so far, it's just been a breeze. <laughs> wow, okay. All your efforts. There, there, was no sort of, there was no sort of self-deprecation there at all, was no, there, no. Casey? No, not at all. It's a completely honest opinion of the way things are going. <laughs> oh, father of the year, Casey Frank. Uh, we got you under the, uh, the guise of speaking the NBA, so I won't uh, annoy you about parenthood. Unless, of course, you, you want to open up about the, the highs and lows and everything in between. I'd like to try and think that I can keep your viewers the other way. Not so much talking about fatherhood, even though my opinions are valid and there are many. I know you're a TV man, but there's listeners in Radio Land. Listeners. Oh, good point, good point. Yeah, okay, let's get to the NBA. And a guy who's, well, so much attention uh, all around the globe. Russell Westbrook breaks the, what a record from the big O dating back many, many a decade. How big a deal should this be for those who perhaps aren't massive NBA fans who have a passing interest in the sport. How big a deal is this, Casey? Well, as a pure fan, I mean, I just find it unbelievable. You know, growing up, the triple-double was always a very impressive thing that Magic Johnson, over the course of the season, did five to ten times, and everybody was amazed. And my father was a big basketball fan and always talked to me about Oscar Robinson and how great he was and the things that he could do on the basketball court. But for... For Russell Westbrook to come across and do it at the intensity that he plays at, to just you have the ball in his hand so much and score at that level with those kind of assists and rebounds. I mean, you know, it's just been such a phenomenal thing to watch. Every time I turn on NBA TV and I see that there's not an Oklahoma City game on, I'm a little disappointed because I've just enjoyed <laughs> watching the ride so much. <laughs> and you always get detractors in life. You never get 100% public opinion. Well, but we can't deny the fact, and you've just touched on it, the, the sheer passion and anger almost is probably the adjective I'm going to use for which he plays with. He, he's just a force of nature at times. He really is. And I think it goes back to his upbringing in the game. I mean, he was not a highly recruited player. He was outside of the top 100 coming out of high school. Wouldn't have gotten to UCLA had he not uh, a player that was there had not declared to the draft early. He was always overlooked. He was sort of a... a secondary pick even for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Nobody thought he was going to be this good, and it's really instilled a fire in him to just compete at this level. And on, on top of the stats or anything else, I mean, it is just his level of competition that I just find so enthralling when I watch him play. Nobody plays harder. I don't know if anybody plays harder in any sport on the planet than he does. Casey Frank joining us to talk some basketball. Uh, speaking of him, one often line I get, uh, I hear, he's a hungus, he's the only star on the team. Of course he's going to average a triple-double. Uh, my logic would suggest uh, there's been a lot of crap teams in the NBA in the history of this game, and if averaging a triple-double was easy, this would have happened a lot. Well, I, there certainly are some factors about today's game that make it a little bit easier for him to do it than in years past. The, the, the fact that the game's become smaller, it's a lot easier for guards to get those rebounds. You know, he can come in from the outside. He doesn't have to deal with two seven-footers. Now those power forwards are much smaller. The fact that so many three-point shots are being shot now, there's going to be a longer rebound. So it's certainly there are factors that make it a little bit easier. But all the, you know, you know how hard it is to score 30 and get 10 assists and grab 10 rebounds. No, I don't, Casey. I don't, because I never did it. Like, most of the audience, we never got anywhere near it. 
<laughs> I mean, like, it's just, it's just so impossible to do. It, it's just... It's ridiculous anybody who says, oh, it's just because he gets that shot all the time. There's, there's players in the NBA who nobody has a higher usage rate than he does because of how important he is to that offense. And certainly some of his teammates ha- have let their stats go to the wayside in favor of him com- pursuing this goal. But that, that I, to me, that detracts none of it. it just, that tells me something about the people who are watching him play. And if you don't like that, then you've got your own issues that you're going to have to overcome in your own time. Okay, so that's the context of the importance of that singular effort. Uh, not singular, 82 games and all, it's, it's impressive. Uh, does it mean he is just a, the foregone con- conclusion as the MVP? Or is it B, James Harden, C, LeBron, James, D, Kawhi Leonard, E, you can't go wrong with any of them? Yeah, I... I certainly don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I think the way that voting in the NBA works, it goes to riders, and they've, they've actually lessened the voter pool this year. It's only 100 votes, so each vote is 1%, and then these riders take it very seriously. And there's differing opinions about what the season means. I mean, James Harden's season is just as impressive as what, what Russell Westbrook does, even though he hasn't had the same level of, of assists and rebounds, hasn't quite met him, but he, the way he's controlling the game and probably being more of a distributor has been fantastic. And he fits so perfectly in Dan Tony's system that it's been really great to see what he does as well. And LeBron James, the workload he's had over the past six seasons leading up to this, and all of a sudden he's leading the league in minutes halfway through the year and just still doing a great job of study, stuffing the stats in every respect. And, Certainly Kawhi Leonard, when you talk about two-way players, there's nobody in the NBA who really touches him on the defensive side of the ball. And really, Steph Curry's not too far out of it either. I mean, he's had a great season as well. When you talk about these guys that are up there in the MVP vote, there's an argument that is, is a correct argument to be made for each of them that they are the MVP as opposed to anybody else. Who's the best player on the planet? Oh, still LeBron. Still LeBron has still got to be the best player on the planet. He never gets the MVP. Well, never. It's it's been about four or five years, isn't it? Well, he, he's only he's, he's had about uh, four four or five of them. I mean, I wouldn't say quite never. He's got his due. Well, but, four uh, years ago is never in the, the, the land of you know two minute attention spans. It's true. It's true. But but to me, he's MVP never won it. Different. He's never won it. <laughs> it's never happened. It. But that <laughs> that that question, who's the best player, is separate to me from MVP. Yeah, I know. Me, to me, it's always been the most valuable. If you take that guy away, where is that team at? And that. For that to have value, you have to be on a good team. You have to be in the playoff race. And all those guys tick those boxes. But who the best player is very rarely wins the MVP every year. I mean, just go back to Michael Jordan's reign. He only had three in his career. I mean, when you go back now, it seems like a travesty. But that's the way people felt at the time. Mm. And I, I, I won't argue with a man who's got an NBA on, on the definition of value. Uh, both the noun nor the verb. Um, who win, Who gets the number one seed in the East? Let's actually talk um, action on the court. Well, I think Boston's got a one-game lead at the moment. And, and Cleveland's malaise has been stretching over a long time now. Yeah, they, they look tired. They, they look mentally fatigued. They're not playing as well defensively as they have the ability to. I mean, they're certainly never going to be the best defensive team in the league. But when locked in, they can be really good. You know, for a while it seemed like LeBron and his teammates were really pushing for that number one seed, but it seems like they they just don't have the energy to push through. And Boston, I mean, when Cleveland and Boston played a couple week, a week or so ago, you could see that when locked in, Cleveland is a superior team. The question is, is 
are they not going to be able to lock into that level until the playoffs start? And right now, I, you know, you never go against the champs. I would probably say that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to get that number one seed just because I think they've got less issues to deal with. But, you know, at this point in the season, it's going to, they've made it very difficult for themselves and Boston's put themselves in a great position. Do you give much chance to Washington, Toronto or Boston to knock off the Cavs out of the East? Well, I like Toronto. I mean, I really like the, the moves they made at the deadline, picking up Serge Ibaka, P.J. Tucker. I mean, he's a tough player, man. He, they've got enough guys now that you can throw at a LeBron James to make it really difficult for him. I, I think Washington on their best day just doesn't have the depth at the wing position to stop LeBron. And when you're talking about coming out of the East, you're talking about beating Cleveland in the seven-game series, and that's what you need. And Boston, I, I think they're, they're really good in the regular season. But I personally, I just as great a year as Isaiah Thomas has had, I just don't see how in playoff basketball, when you've got days and days to commit to scouting somebody, how you're going to let a player who's five seven continually be the best scorer on the court. It's just going to be too difficult for them physically and with the game plans they pull up. Come on, we the North. Anyway, um, to the West, Golden State getting Kevin Durant back. That's a big deal. Are they favorites? They are monumental favorites. I mean, they, if uh, they were carving, carving the started carving the trophy right now, they should probably start carving it with Golden State because, as just far as far as who's probably going to win it, certainly Golden State looks like they're the business. They've played great offensively all year long. Kevin Durant's come back in. Looks like he hasn't been a beat. Looks like he's feeling really good and. What, the, what he offers to that team and gives them versatility-wise on offense and defense has just been phenomenal. And had he not gotten injured in this 20 so or so games, I think he'd be in that conversation for MVP as well. And I would have won my fantasy league. <laughs> <laughs> Losing Kevin Durant, that's a t- you're not going to get over that one. Well, now how bad's this? My league, inv- my league manager, he allowed him to trade for Westbrook and then vetoed a trade that I had for Harden. <laughs> this is not right. That seems like you've got some issues. I think that needs to go to some kind of disciplinary board. <laughs> uh, he needs to be sacked. That's what he needs to be. He, he needs to apologize for an abuse of power. <sighs> Terrible. Daddy Frank, appreciate your time. Look forward to catching up a bit later on. Oh, always good to be here. Thanks for having me. Casey Frank, Sky Sports basketball commentator, former Tall Black himself, talking the NBA.